Previously on The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, Kit's flat-out denial he killed his ex-wife. I had no involvement whatsoever in the death of Brenda Page. I loved Brenda Page very much. His bizarre responses during the police interview. Like the snow, could keep Wenceslas. And he denied ever having sex with Brenda at her flat. Sex at 13 Allen Street? No, I didn't. Sure. Absolutely certain. It's taken 45 years to bring a killer to court. And for the first time in UK history, you'll hear the full murder trial and witness justice being done. It was a brutal murder of a brilliant woman who was a rising star in genetic research. It would now be almost like a script from Morse. The investigators swarming over the, the dreaming spires of university land. There was kind of palpable feeling of evil in the air. I was told it was just a massive blood in here. Two decades on from confronting evil. So did you kill your ex-wife Brenda Page? Evil is being confronted by the law. Did you kill her? No. She knew it was coming. He said he was going to kill her. If he killed her, he would do it so that nobody would know. Will his true nature be unmasked? Are you familiar with the tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? And can Brenda's own words help secure her killer's fate? A letter of a death foretold. This is the storyteller, Naked Villainy, written, produced and edited by me, Isla Traquair. It's still day seven of the crime case, and we are rejoining the police interview, which took place in March 2020. Despite the poor quality of the recording, the whole courtroom was hanging off every word. On the screens, a video showing Dr. Harrison wearing a blue gilet, blue shirt and beige trousers. At times he had his hands and arms extended out in front of him on the table, and at other points he would sit back, occasionally leaning to his left to whisper to his solicitor sat beside him. I should point out that DS Rennie is not asked any questions by the prosecution. Have you, <clears throat> have you ever been inside the address that Brenda moved to at 13 Allen Street? Have I ever been inside the address? Yes, on yeah. one occasion she asked me to feed her cats. Just on one occasion? Is that what you said, yeah? Yes. So, wh when was that? I don't really ask the background of the thing. Okay. 
And on that occasion, how did you get into 13 Allen Street? She gave me a key and I got in with the key. Okay, so Brenda gave you keys? No, I didn't have a key uh, at the time uh, that you're talking about. It was She gave me a key for a specific instance when I fed the cats. I put the key in an envelope and left it behind. Okay, so prior to you going to feed the cats, did Brenda hand you a set of keys for that purpose? Yes. To let yourself in, feed yes. the cats? Yes. And then you've left them in an envelope. Where Can you remember where you would have left them at in the I, house? I have no idea. I think I've popped them through the letterbox. Did Brenda ever disclose to you any issues she had with the address and people gaining entry to the address without her permission? No. Could you describe the layout of Brenda's flat for me? And you've obviously said there that it was once that you were in the flat. Are you sure about that? You were only in the flat once. There might have been other occasions. Okay. Tell us about them then. No comment. There was other occasions. Aye. If I was to ask you what you were doing uh, 50 years ago, would you be able to tell me that? 42 years ago. 42 years ago. So tell us about the other occasions. Were you ever in the flat alone? With the cats. So only on that one occasion with the cats. Is there any other time? No. So go and talk us through that then. So the cats, going to feed the cats then. So um, how, how did you get into the building then? Just try and remember before, as much. Before we really had that one. Yes, I know, but mm-hmm. did you go through in each detail about how you got through the, the door at the front and then through the other door and then... We've had that one. There's no further comment. So when you got into the flat, where did you go? You oh. walk through the front door, you're in the flat. Fed the cats and went home. Touch anything? No. Nothing at all? Saucer of milk, saucer of cat food. I think there are two sources of cat food, two sources of milk. Leave the premises. He's through the... So were you in kitchen cupboards when you no. get saucers or was that... Put that on. Put that uh, on the worktop. Worktop. Mm-hmm. Sources. Instructions. I did put some instructions. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Where was the food? Sitting what out. Was the food? food was the food sitting out, or was it in a cupboard, or was it? Was sitting out. It was on the worktop. I've already Everything. said that. Okay. Yes. Okay. <coughs> I didn't speak to anybody. See anybody coming and no. going? Wasn't it? Cats. That's it. So was it early morning then, late at night? The reason they are asking him about the specifics of him feeding the cats is to get him to confirm he didn't go into the other parts of the property, which actually helps the crown case. Because if he claimed he had been in every room, and opening and closing windows, for example, including the one the killer is believed to have entered through, he could have a valid reason for depositing the paint fleck. Did you drive there? I drove there and I drove uh, home as soon as I'd done that. Okay, where did you park? I have no idea. But you remember you drove there? Yes. Mr Harrison, how did you feel about the escort work that Brenda carried out? I felt sorry because... If somebody's earning a good salary as a university lecturer, they don't need to do that. So when did you find out about her work? 
I've no idea. I didn't find out about that. I was not curious in any way. If she told me, then she told me. How often did she carry it out? I've no idea. Um, you've obviously said there that you found it sad that someone earning what she did would feel the need to do that work. So why, why was she doing it? I've no idea. Do you know the names of any of the men that she met through the escort work? Did you form any relationships from it? No. So what was your thoughts about the escort work? Sad. What do you think made her carry out that type of work? I don't know. So during the time that Brenda was working as an escort, um, were you still in an intimate relationship with her? I divorced in October 1977. Um, time prior to the divorce, since the divorce, I had no contact with her at all. So you would not have been intimate with Brenda no. after your divorce? No. Were you jealous of Brenda associating with other men? And why did Brenda tell you about the men that she was seeing? I can't tell you that either. How did it make you feel that Brenda was telling you that she was working as an escort? You can try and make people jealous. That's what you want to do, but it doesn't always succeed. And as I say, it just made me feel sad that I knew that she was very good with children. She loved children. She wanted to have children. I'd have liked to have had children with her. And it's a great sadness to me that we didn't. And further than that, I'm certainly not jealous. I'm just sad. Okay, so even though you were divorced at that time, the fact that Brenda was working as an escort made you sad? It, it made me sad, but wouldn't it make anybody sad? Did it Did it make you feel anything else? No. I've seen various men. If you were divorced, you're divorced. It means that you've got two separate lives. And I have no jurisdiction or say of what she does in that phase any more than I did in pre previous years. Mm. Why would she tell you about the men she was seeing? I don't know. To try and wind you up to get a rise out of you? No comment of any kind. Seems quite harsh. She's telling you about the men she would be annoyed. No comment. So that was obviously when you were divorced from Brenda. Um, or certainly when your relationship had ended or came to an end, but when did your relationship with Brenda start to deteriorate? No comment. So going back to 1976, <clears throat> explain to me why okay. There's further whispering to his lister, but it's inaudible. Fine. So explain to me why in 1976 you saw Johnston Haldane do you remember Johnston Haldane? The recording is once again forwarded to another time code. Brenda, out of your marriage office. She left in uh, July 1976, I think. Okay. Why was that? Uh, she was fed up, I was fed up, and it was a very hot summer. Okay, so did you have an argument that caused her to move out? 
around about that time. And what caused your divorce to Brenda Page on the 27th of October 1977? I wish for a divorce. So was it Brenda that wanted the divorce? She took out divorce papers and okay. I didn't dispute them. Okay. I thought that the most amicable way of getting through the whole thing would simply not to dispute the divorce. She could say anything she liked about me, and that's what's happened. And probably that's why I'm sitting across the table answering you. So although you didn't dispute them, did you agree with them? I've no idea because I never looked at them. I, I simply said, you go ahead, you get a divorce on whatever terms you yeah. want, and we'll call it a day. So did you, did you agree... The tape was stopped again and restarted at a later point. The advocate deputy deciding what was the most essential for the jury to hear. Found in the grate of the fireplace in the bedroom of your address at 12 Mile End Place, Aberdeen. Why is this? I think that's complete nonsense. No, it was. We'll have that watched up. Called police officers for anything in your fireplace. Is that your watch strap? I don't think so, no. Whose is it then? I've read it. No. Come on. That's the nice person. You're talking about 42 years ago. Am I supposed to know about what, what went into It's very possible that the watch, I mean, a five pound watch, if that had fallen off into a fire. We're talking about the middle of July. I'm not going to have a fire in the house in the grate. And all kinds of stuff gets gotten rid of at the end of uh, doing a PhD. You turn out the entire house. I had to get rid of tons of books in various libraries. Note how he's gone from denying the watch was his, then noting the exact cost of it, then giving a potential explanation of it falling into the fire grate, but saying he wouldn't have had a fire in July and then saying he was getting rid of lots of stuff at that time. He's contradicting himself, but also covering all eventualities. Let's take a quick breather from the intensity of the courtroom to hear a rather pleasant sound. That's the sound of money you could be making on a sale on Shopify. It's that time of year we're all a bit hard up, and maybe it's that time when you think again, could I start my own business online? Maybe a side hustle or full-time selling art, jewellery, beauty products, gifts for the home or garden. Well, Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. And you aren't the only one. Every minute, new sellers around the world are taking the leap and revolutionising their business and making their first sales on Shopify. I personally know a few friends who use it for their online businesses, and I asked them for their honest opinions and each one of them said it's made things so simple to customise their online shop, connect with new customers, maintain relationships and grow their business. It's a single dashboard. You can manage orders, shipping and payments from anywhere. And once you start selling, Shopify makes getting paid simple by instantly accepting all payment types. So whether you're selling serums or succulents, paintings or pottery, Shopify removes the stress and covers all your sales channels. You can even sell across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. It also removes the guesswork 
with built-in tools that help you create, execute and analyse your online marketing campaigns. And here's the best bit. You don't need to learn how to code or design. It's done for you. And there's also award-winning help on hand with an extensive business course library. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify will be there to empower you with confidence and control to take your business to the next level. And if this sounds good to you, then I've got a special discount. You can sign up for a £1 per month trial period at shopify.co.uk slash storyteller. That's shopify.co.uk slash storyteller, all lowercase. Are you ready to take the leap? One more time, that's shopify.co.uk slash storyteller. Now let's return to the courtroom. So is that your watch stop? I really do not know. At this, at this uh, point in time, I couldn't tell you how uh, strap in the grade got into that, but the likelihood is it was two winters before that. I certainly hadn't had a fire in the, in the house there. How could I possibly have done? So that watch strap, what can you tell me about blood that's been recovered from that watch strap? I would say that it's highly unlikely that there was any blood or any watch strap. I think that really that you're stringing me along. I'm not stringing you along. I wouldn't be allowed to string you along. This interview is video recorded. It can be produced in court if and when required. I'm not stringing you along. We have a watch strap that was recovered from the grate of the fireplace in the bedroom of your address. There's blood recovered from that watch strap. All I can say is I don't believe it. Whose blood is it? I don't know of any watch strap and I don't know of any blood. And I certainly wouldn't have had time to burn anything in the grate in my own house when I'd spent the day in Edinburgh and as soon as I got back to my address I was arrested. Time from How what? is that possible? Time from where? Time from when? How, how You're saying you wouldn't have had time to burn a watch strap? I, can you think how, how any such scenario is even thinkable? Well that's why I'm asking you the question. No, there I, is a watch strap being found in that fireplace I know nothing about you're any watch strap in that fireplace. You're then in Edinburgh inquiring about a watch strap. I certainly didn't burn a watch strap in July at my address. So my when did you place. burn it? As far as I know, I never burned a watch strap at my address in my left place. So who did then? I have no idea. I've it, not seen, not I've not seen the watch strap and I've not seen uh, the testimony associated with it. I don't believe it. Do you not think this whole trip to Edinburgh? On the 14th of July is a bit bizarre. No. The day that your ex-wife found murdered, brutally murdered at 30 Mellon Street, you decided to go the whole, on, a, on a trip to, to Edinburgh. The whole of the week, following my PhD exam, I spent day after day returning books to various libraries. That's all I did in the week following. Do you not think the whole trip to Edinburgh, the whole decision, oh, you're going to go to Dundee, or oh, no, I'm not, I'll go straight to Edinburgh, do you not think that's all a bit bizarre? No. Uh, so why did you change your mind? Why did you think, oh, I'm going to go to Dundee and oh, actually, that's bizarre, I'll go to Why did you? One of the colleagues which, whom I'd worked with in Edinburgh had been promoted to a professorship in Dundee, and as I had the time en passant, I'd like to come and say hello to him before I went on to Edinburgh. And the whole watch strap thing, do you not think that's bizarre, having to go to buy a watch? The day no. that you're... 
where the wife's found murdered? No. Is it not the case that the watch was damaged when he murdered her? No. Is that what happened to the watch? No. Is that why you had to go on a big rush to get a watch? No. The AD Alex Prentice stops the tape here and forwards to another section. So a number of paint flecks <coughs> were recovered from under the point of entry within 13 Holland Street. A number of paint flecks. Paint flecks. Flecks of paint. Paint flecks within the point of entry at 13 Holland Street. Examination of these flecks revealed that one of these paint flecks was found to be similar in composition and colour. To the control sample taken from your motor car, the green coloured Mini Traveller LVA 426E that you drove in 1978. Explain that to me. So a number of paint flakes were recovered from under the point of entry within the address, okay? And then the police took my car. Mm -hmm. And whether the police had scratched my car and left paint residue in Allen Street, I really wouldn't know. But after, after this interview, I wouldn't put anything past them. I really wouldn't. Is that your reason for that? It's so ridiculous as, as to be completely nonsensical. Where would the paint flakes come from? Your okay. car. Your car. Where? Well, you've said yourself, you've described your car as a dustbin that's fallen to bits. Yes, but where would the paint have come from on my car? It's been taken from your car. And it's much exactly, it's been taken from, from my car by, by the police. The address where she was found brutally murdered. Under the point of entry. Brenda Page. The window that you'd been climbing in and out of. Brenda, probably for about two years. Brenda, well, that's your nonsense. Brenda Page had a green painted car. The same vintage as my car. It was also a Morris Mini. She had the same coloured car, the same paint. And... The paint could have come from that just as easily as from mine. So what you're thinking? Yeah. So Mr. Harrison, explain to me why your DNA has been recovered from a semen stain on a duvet taken from 13 Allen Street in Aberdeen. I really wouldn't know, but when Dr. Page left my address in my land page, she took a variety of different things with her from my land page. Could be that the duvet was my possession and had been taken from my land place. So that is possible. So the duvet in nineteen. So I'm when did Brenda leave it. my land place? Um, Brenda left my land place in July nineteen seventy-six. Mm -hmm. So for two years, she hasn't washed anything. And your semen still on the sheets. I certainly never left semen of any kind or any in any parts of Allen Street that I can assure you of. Witnesses that we have spoken to that knew Brenda, obviously Brenda worked in a laboratory and they all speak of how high her cleanliness was. So I don't think that she's lying on semen stayed duvets for two work. years. I haven't washed my duvet for But it's on sheets. Years. It's not, it's a sheet. sheet. It's, it's a, a sheet. sheet. Duvet and sheets. This is all that was played to the jury, and the first time they'd heard any explanation, including how his sperm was on the sheets, something he'll expand on even further later. 
D.S. Rennie was not asked any questions by the prosecution because the interview spoke for itself. However, she was about to endure possibly the most fractious cross-examination of the trial, with Casey Brian McConaughey not holding back. Detective Sergeant, when you were describing what happens when suspects are being interviewed today, <laughs> you said that the suspect is allowed to have a call made to a solicitor. Yes, that's right. It's not a question of being allowed, is it? I beg your pardon? Do you not hear it? Yeah, no, I'm just asking you to repeat it. It's not a question of being allowed, is it? Well, not allowed. No, they're enti that's their entitlement. Right. Yeah. You use the word allowed, not me. Okay. It's a right. Mm-hmm. Enshrined in statute. Yes. That suspects are entitled to have a solicitor present. That's correct, yes. They are entitled not to speak to you at all. Correct. Now, what seems to be pretty clear from the bits of this interview that we have seen is that there are passages where Dr. Harrison is making no comment and using that phrase, no comment. And there are passages when he speaks to you. Yes. And if you have where he says, I had no involvement whatsoever in the death of Brenda Page, I would like to say that I loved Brenda Page very much. We were divorced in October 1977. There were no prior assaults on Dr. Brenda Page by myself or by anybody else as far as I know, and I was deeply saddened by her murder, and I'm still very, very sad that she had died, and I had nothing whatsoever to do with it. Yeah? Yes. Now, your job, as it were, at this particular time is to, to ask the questions. Yes. An accused person can choose to answer or indeed not to answer. At the top of page 16, you ask him, explain to me why you thought Brenda had stolen your research. Yes? Yes, that's correct. And he responds saying, I've never heard anything so ludicrous. I think the answer is, uh, that's the end of that one. Ridiculous, no comment. Yes, that's correct. You told the ladies and gentlemen that you attended at 12 Mile End Place at 7.55 in the morning. Yes, that's correct. How many people attended? I don't know the exact number, but there was myself, there was DC Gorman, and there was officers from the operational support unit. How many officers from the operational support unit? I can't recall exactly. One, two, ten? Wouldn't have been as many as ten. Approximately three, maybe four. Armed officers? No, not armed. Sure? I'm sure. So, you turn up, at least five of you it would appear, at 7.55 at 
the house of a man who is at that time 79. Yes. You take him into custody and you have him in custody for six hours before you start interviewing him. Approximately, yes. Well, give or take five minutes, it's six hours. Yes. Where has he been for those six hours? Within Kitty Brewster. In a cell, presumably? Yes. Towards the foot of page 18, you ask him a question. Would Brenda, was Brenda in your vehicle during July 1978? <coughs> yes, that's correct. And he tells you she was. And he explains about an occasion when he met her at Forrester Hill and drove her to collect her car at a garage in Holland Street. <coughs> yes? Yes, he does. And he tells you that must have been round about the 7th of July. Yes. And pretty much in the centre of page 26, you say to him, and you've obviously said there, it was once that you were in the flat. Are you sure about that? You were only in the flat once. And his response to you was, there might have been other occasions. Yes, that's correct. Did he tell you about another occasion? Um, <clears throat> I think during the interview, um, he mentions another occasion where he went to have his hair cut by Brenda. Yeah. Learned Advocate Deputy, I think, played the part at the, the top of page 33 where you say to him, so did you, did you agree with the divorce, though? Would you have wanted to divorce Brenda? And he says, no comment. Yes, that's right. You then say, you obviously said at the start when you made your own little statement about her, and he says, I think the whole thing is exceedingly sad. I really did love the girl, and I thought she was a brilliant mind, and uh, I'm very, very sorry to have heard the news that of her demise. I really was. I was terribly, terribly sad and still am. Yes? Yes, that's correct. Page 40, do you ask him about foreign trips? I do, yes. And does he mention an international genetics congress in Mexico and another one in Vienna? Yes, he does. Page 46, presumably for tactical reasons, your colleague has taken up the questioning at this particular point. Correct? Yes. And about a third of the way down the page, do you say, sorry, does he say, so we'll move on to 12th July 1978? Yes, that's correct. So on 12th July 1978, tell me about going to see Brenda at 13 Allen Street at about eight o'clock at night, two days before she was, he says, married and then corrects himself and says, uh, murdered, sorry. Yeah, that's correct. Dr. Harrison replies, I met her in the car park the week previously and I took her to the garage in Holland Street. On that occasion, she said to me, uh, you're looking pretty scruffy. If you come round to Allen Street, I'll give you a haircut. 
So she gave me a haircut in Allen Street. Is that what it says? Yes, that's correct. Top of page 47. Your colleague says, OK, um, and you went back to get your haircut. And Dr Harrison says, she said, come round and get a haircut. You paying for taxi services. Yes? yes, that's correct. Your colleague says, OK, so tell me about that. Where was the haircut? Whereabouts? And the response from Dr Harrison is in in Allen Street. Yes. And he goes on, in the kitchen. <coughs> I sat on a chair. She put the towel round my neck and I cut my hair for me. And after that, I said, thanks very much and went off. Yes. Yes? Is that what it says? Yes. At page 49. Your colleague is still talking about the haircut. Around about just before halfway down the page. <coughs> he says, your colleague says, OK, aha, uh -huh, and she took you there. And Dr Harrison says, I think that uh, she said, come round at uh, six o'clock or something like that, and I'll give you a haircut. And your colleague says, so you drove there. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And Dr Harrison replies, I drove there, yeah. Your colleague says, OK, in your what car? And he says, in my car, yeah. Yes, that's correct. And in response to a question from your colleague, says which was a mini estate car, and it's confirmed it's the one you were referring to earlier. Yes, that's correct. You'll notice Mr McConaughey hasn't been asking many questions about what was said, but using this opportunity to focus on the parts of the interview he wants to emphasise. The atmosphere was tense, especially during this next section. As I've said before, this is the defence's job. He wants to cast doubt in any way he can, and criticising the police's handling of a 79-year-old man and any conceivable mistake of wording would be used as a weapon. About a third of the way down the page, I think it's the last part we maybe just listened to, you say to him, so Mr Harrison, explain to me why your DNA has been recovered from a semen stain on a duvet taken from 13 Allen Street in Aberdeen. Yes, that's correct. Is that correct. the question you ask him? Yes, that's correct. And does he explain, I really wouldn't know, but when Dr Page left my address in Mile End Place, she took a variety of different things with her from Mile End Place. Could be that the duvet was my possession and had been taken from Mile End Place. Yes? Yes, that's correct. If you go on to page 113, Third entry down on page 113. Dr. Harrison says a duvet is one of those things that you don't you don't wash. I haven't washed my duvets for two or three years. And you interrupt him to say, but it's on sheets. Yes, that's correct. Wasn't what you told him in the first place. But I've went on to clarify duvets and sheets. Well, when did you Duvet clarify that? Just in the next sheet, the about two two answers down. Yeah, after he's responded. Yes. Yeah. After you've misled him. I wouldn't say misled. What I've would you say? I've to clarify it. What, what would you say? I've went on to clarify it. No, no. What would you say about the first question you asked him? 
Well, I don't believe that I did mislead him. What do you think if somebody was to say to you, can you explain why your semen stain is on a duvet? What do you think they would take from that question? A duvet. Yeah. That's what they would take from it, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he answers you? Yes. And then, effectively, you change the question. But I think, like, what you'll see there, I've said, but it's on sheets, and um, Detective, Const Detective Constable Gorman has also came in at the same time and said, it's a sheet, and I've said sheets, so it's like I was clarifying. After there. he's answered the question. I've on to say it's sheets and duvet. After he's answered the question. Yes? Yes. This interview finished at 18.45, according to the front page. Yes, that would be about correct, yes. By that time, he'd been in custody for 11 hours? Yes. Thank you. Unsurprisingly, Advocate Deputy Alec Prentice did take the opportunity to re-examine his final witness. On that last exchange at page 113 of production 153, where you were <coughs> asked about the issue over duvet and sheets, could, yes. could you have page 113 before you? I do, yeah. Um, if we just maybe just clarify that, if... If you could just read what Mr Harrison said at the top of that page, I certainly never. Uh, so, Mr Harrison, I certainly never left semen of any kind or any in any parts of Allen Street that I can assure you of. And then you say, witnesses that we have spoken to that knew Brenda, obviously Brenda worked in a laboratory and they all speak of how high her cleanliness was, so I don't think that she's lying on semen-stained duvet for two years. What did Dr. Harrison say? A duvet is one of those things that you don't you don't wash. I haven't washed my duvets for two or three years. Did you then say, but it's on sheets? And then your colleague said, but it's not, it's a sheet. And then what does Dr. Harrison say? Sheets. Sheets. So yes. he, he repeats the word sheets, is that right? Yes. And do you then say, it's a sheet, duvet and sheets? And what was his response? I simply can't believe that. Thank you. With the last witness finished, the day was to end with another surprise for the jury, which would not be explained at this point. Now, I have a good day. Thank you, my Lord. As I indicated earlier, I do not intend to call any further witnesses or lead any other evidence. My Lord, the indictment contains five charges... I withdraw charges 1, 2, 3 and 5, which would leave charge 4, the murder charge, the only one for the ladies and gentlemen of the jury to consider. And with that, my lord, I close the Crown case. Mr Harrison, would you stand up, please? You've heard what the advocate deputy has said, and he has withdrawn charges... One, two, three, and five, 
and so I acquit you of those charges. Do you understand? I do, my lord. Please sit down. So, ladies and gentlemen, just to explain what has just happened, the advocate depute has withdrawn charges one, two, three, and five. So you can simply put your pen through those charges. The only charge which remains before you is charge four, that's the murder charge. And the advocate deputy has closed his case, meaning that you've now heard all the evidence that you're going to hear, having been led on, on the part of the Crown. So at this point, I will turn to Mr McConaughey. Mr McConaughey. My Lord, at this stage, I would uh, appreciate the opportunity to take instructions in relation to the issue of evidence in this case. Uh, as your Lordship will appreciate, the ladies and gentlemen uh, will probably not. If Mr Harrison uh, does give evidence, then once he starts, I, I can't speak to him again until such time as he's, he's finished. There are, uh, in this particular case, other potential defence witnesses who are not necessarily local to the area. And if it transpires that uh, there's any need to lead them, then that would need to be organised and discussed with the accused in advance. Mr McConaughey suggested it might be best to conclude and start the defence case the following day, which was agreed, meaning we wouldn't know until the next morning if Kit Harrison would have his day in court, so to speak, and opt to give his version of events in the witness box. In the next episode of The Storyteller Naked Villainy, an 82-year-old murder accused in the witness box makes a series of claims, including it was his wife who was the aggressor. I would say violent and angry, and I couldn't understand what was going on. She used, applied first one shoulder and then another shoulder to bash down the door. Brenda's claims of years of abuse, a fabrication just to get a divorce. Brenda Page used her medical records and every minor incident in the past four years she built up to make it look as though it was an incident of cruelty which it most certainly was not and a backstory to explain his sperm at the murder scene we had marital relations on an, a variety of sheets if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review as it makes a huge difference to guiding people to hearing this important story. This is an entirely independent production and your support is greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear exclusive interviews, longer episodes and insights, please head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. This is a piece of history and you are for the first time in this format witnessing justice being done.